our topic is going to be how to stay married. Not how to get married, but how to stay married, right? So if you've done it for 50 years, how do you think that you have gotten this far? Because it's easy to get married, it's harder to stay married, and the statistics tell us that it's hard for lots of people to stay married. So what do you think has been your secret sauce to get you to this place? Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to summarize 50 years of marriage uh, counseling in one minute. So here we go. You ready? (laughs) I was sitting on the porch this morning talking to God about this thing because Pastor Peter had asked me to think about, you know, what, what transpired in 50 years and why are we still together? And this is what, what we came up with. It's really so multifaceted how you stay together for so long. There's so many pieces and parts that move on the surface that you have to deal with all the time. But really there's an underlying theme that anchors you so you can build a marriage that lasts a long time. Mm. And it goes something like this. This is what I wrote. It's all about honor and commitment. First, you honor God and commit yourself to his ways. You do that by studying his word, learning about his character, and developing those traits within yourself so you can be the man God has called you to be. Secondly, you honor and commit yourself to understanding who your wife is by learning of her dreams her goals and her weaknesses, and help her in any way you can, using all of the strength God has given you to make her successful. If your spouse does the same for you, there's nothing that the world can throw at you that your spouse and you and God can't handle. Same question for you, Dr. Linda. Well, I grew up in a home where um, children were to be seen and not heard. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. No, 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 no. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, because had I had the lovely project back then, I would have learned that I had a voice too. Sure. So when we got married, it was really a learning process for me to figure out that it was okay for me to have an opinion and to speak that opinion. Wow. Um, I'm still learning that. I'm still learning how to speak up and not be afraid of that because it's amazing what your childhood can do to you and how many stops it can put in place. So I would say with any relationship, you need to learn to find your voice, just like these girls at Lovely did yesterday. Yeah, that's so. awesome. Can we just bless them and say thanks so much? Thanks, thanks guys. I appreciate it. Wow. I love what they just said because um, I believe what they, what they said really dovetails with what we are talking about today. Every week that we're going to be having uh, this teaching this week, we're actually going to do team teaching. So we're asking every speaker this month is going to have both spouses speaking so that we can see if they say the same thing, right? I'm, I'm kidding. No, you know we're going to be in agreement, aren't we? <clears throat> Lord, today we should start off with prayer, right? Father, help us 
in the name of Jesus. I want to start off with a scripture this morning. And this is a scripture that has really been a guiding scripture for my life as I go towards living out the life that, God, that Christ has called me to live out as a husband. And it comes from Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 and 4. Now let me give you just a tiny bit of context before we start reading this. This was written by a man called King Solomon who was a man that messed up many times in his marriage. And when he was writing the book of Proverbs, he was writing to his son to give him insight and wisdom of how he should live his life to have a successful marriage in his life. Now, sometimes what we do is we read the book of Proverbs and we take little pieces out of it and we take it as like our scripture for the day and how wonderful it is and and we only apply it to our specific situation of maybe your business, maybe your family, maybe your, your feelings, whatever it is. But the whole picture of Proverbs is about trying this, this older man trying to tell his son, son, if you want to have a peaceful life, if you want to have a successful marriage, listen to what I'm about to tell you. And then he writes this whole book and this whole list of Proverbs. So we're going to take this one proverb that really sums up a lot of what King Solomon said. He says this, by wisdom, a house is built. And when he says the word house, he actually means marriage. By wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established, made strong. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures, things of value in their life. You may have wedding plans for yourself, but do you have staying married plans? As we all know, Preparing for a wedding takes a lot of time and money and effort, right? I got engaged six months before we got married, and then we spent the next six months trying to figure out how we're going to make the best single day of our life, right? But your marriage doesn't consist of one single day. It's like, let's send it off with a, a bunch of rockets and we'll make it into fireworks. This will be the greatest wedding we've ever had because it's so important to try and have those memories when the fact is that is one single day that is not gonna make any difference to how your marriage goes for the rest of your life. In fact, we put so much effort into it that we, stay, we, start to start, we start to dream about what could happen in the future, but they're only just dreams, but we don't necessarily have any plans to make them come true. We only have plans for our wedding day. I dream about the house I'll have, the job I'll have, the kids will have, our future. But how are you going to make your marriage successful? How do you know you're actually going to stay married? You can't assume that it's all gonna work out just because you love each other. It's amazing how much we depend on this thing called love, but love is probably one of the worst reasons to try and be married. You need something more. I've heard people even say to me, I love the person, I just can't stand living with them. That's the phrase you say just before you're about to get divorced. In fact, in premarital counseling, when Crystal and I are doing premarital counseling with people, we always ask them, what is your plans for staying married? How do you do intend on actually growing your marriage? Very few have a plan. In fact, I remember one couple who said to me, they said, well, um, she said, I don't actually like coming to church. And he said, I love going to church. And so they said, well, instead of coming every week, we'll only come once together a month. That's our plan in order to try and be on the same page. Today, they don't go to church at all. Someone had to capitulate. Someone had to give in. Someone had to say, no, I don't want to do this. And someone else said, okay, we'll have it your way. Compromises come. 
What is your plan? Their plan didn't quite work out. It turned into other things. Now you could say, well, all plans don't work out. I would say that's true. But you better have good plans to stay married because if you don't stay married, it doesn't matter how much money you're spending on your wedding day. Plans for staying married, I believe in Scripture, tells us three different things, and I'm going to do it in the inverse order. And the first one is this. You need knowledge. That's information. Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4, it says, Through knowledge, its rooms are filled. That's the rooms of the marriage. Its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. In education, when you go to school, we always send our children to school to gain knowledge. Why? Because we know that they need education. We know that they need knowledge in order to be successful in later years of their life. To be successful in how to actually have interaction and relationships with other people. To be successful in being able to keep a job and to be successful in job. We must get an education in order to even drive a car. You're not even allowed to drive a car unless you've had an education to get a license to drive a car. We need education in order to be able to get vocations that we want. Why not for marriage? Why in marriage do we think that we can just throw ourselves into it and feel like we'll figure it out as we go along? What knowledge have you gained for staying married? When I was young, I actually used to, my father used to run a church and I used to, um, I used to sometimes go uh, uh, to marriage conferences that he would run. I would, just, I would sneak in the back and I would sit in the back. Why? Because I knew fine well, if this was going to happen to me and someday I was going to be married, I wanted to be prepared for it. In fact, we have a marriage encounter that's coming up this, this next weekend. There's only a few spots left, I've heard. Let me tell you, gentlemen, if you haven't made a plan to get on that train, you're behind. You're not doing the job you should do. Now, maybe you've got it all figured out. Maybe you don't need to do it. Maybe you, maybe you can't make it next weekend. I'm not trying to bring condemnation upon you. But if you're saying you want to have the best marriage possible, if you want to be the man that you've been called to be, then you need to put the time, the money, and the effort into it and not just hope that it will all work out. This is why a marriage encounter is so important. We've been doing it for years. Some of you, in fact, you go to them multiple times. Congratulations and well done. You're not deciding to rest on your laurels and just assume you've figured everything out because there is so much more to learn. We spend money on education. We even spend money on business coaching, but we spend very little money on marriage coaching. We spend it maybe on a date, Maybe you'll spend it on a car that we both want. Maybe you spend it on a boat or a house or something that we both want, but not on the ability to become a better husband or a better wife. Think about this. It takes knowledge to become successful, Scripture tells us. The second thing the Scripture tells us is this, that it takes understanding. Understanding from Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4, it says, By wisdom, a marriage is built, and through understanding, it's established. That means it's made strong, something to last. When you go to school and you go into one grade, you don't just go through the whole year and they just flip on to the next grade. What happens? You actually have to go and do some testing. You have to be tested in your knowledge of that grade. And when you're tested in your knowledge of that grade, you're being tested to see if you comprehend what you just learned, if you actually understand what you learned. And if you pass the test, you're given permission to go to the next grade. If you don't pass the test, you have to repeat the last grade. 
Some of us have been married for maybe five years, 10 years, or 25 years, but actually you've only been repeating every year because you haven't succeeded in the first year of your marriage. You're still stuck at the same place because you're not testing well. And you're having to repeat the whole thing over and over and over again. Testing shows your comprehension. How do I know that? Because in James 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Mature and complete. The reason why you've had five years of the same repeated year is because you're not mature and complete yet. God, why do you allow me to go through difficult times? Why is our marriage struggling? Why are we having challenges financially, emotionally, relationally? Why are we having these challenges? Because they're tests to see if you've learned how to walk with God, to show yourself approved before God can trust you with something greater. Many marry, yet don't understand themselves. When troubles come, their marriages strain and crumble because they haven't taken the time to understand their own wants, their own desires, their weaknesses, their calling. When you understand your level and the grade level that you're at, you're now ready for the next challenge of your life. Marriage doesn't fix your inadequacies. It shows them up. When you get married to someone, they all come to the surface. Add children on top of that, and they explode off the surface. When we first got married, Crystal and I didn't actually need each other. We didn't need each other because we had had the maturity to understand ourselves. That doesn't mean we haven't had trials and tribulations, but we didn't actually need the other person to help me to find peace and love and joy. Let me make this clear, that wasn't down to me. That was because I had such a good upbringing, because I had good mentors like Pastor Mark and Dr. Crystal who were able to speak into my life because I had a desire to learn how to become a better version of myself. We understood ourselves. The last thing that the scriptures tell us that we need is wisdom. That is application. Proverbs 24 and four says, by wisdom, a house, a marriage is built. You see, you can get a child to get as much knowledge crammed into their brain as possible. You can get them to pass the test that you put in front of them, but it doesn't mean that they know how to actually use that information in real life. Years ago, there was a a young lady that came to me after she was about to finish uh, art college. And I'd had a graphic design business where I was actually making money and I still have it. I make money to support myself, to to supplement my income. And I do graphic design. And she had asked me, she said, can I ask you a question? How much should I expect to make once I graduate from art college? And I said, nothing. Big fat zero. Let me tell you why. You haven't proven anything. You haven't proven that you know how to do what is needed. What you should do is find some jobs and go and do it for nothing. Really? Yes, because you don't know how to use the stuff that you've learned. You have to know how to apply it in the real world. Well, how is wisdom any different from, say, just knowledge and and, and information? Wisdom is knowing when to use knowledge. That means when to fight for the right things in your marriage and when to sit down and shut your cake hole. When to speak up and when to be quiet when to do something and when to be patient, when to be different and not just go along with what is expected or demanded of you. You see, love won't save you. 
You need more than that. You need wisdom. I believe that God has called us to these things and he never said anything about love and about making a marriage strong. He said it all about knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Now, don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that love doesn't come into it. Absolutely, love does come into it. But let me tell you how it affects our lives. It affects our lives because we have many dreams in our lives, right? And I got my box of dreams right here. And when I got, met Crystal, I had lots of dreams and I'm hoping that as we're joining ourselves together that we'll be able to fulfill these things. I wanted certain things. I wanted a, a certain car in my life. I wanted a certain house. I wanted a, a certain place uh, that we could be able to you know, enjoy the, the, the fruits of our labor. We had a certain dreams of what our children would be. You know, how many children we'd have. And I've got this little baby, right? And this is a demonstration of what my babies would look like, right? Just, I don't know, not like that, but anyway. We have a, a, I had a dream of how many animals I wouldn't have. Why? Because it's just another child, right? Now we have a cat, I can suffer that, but I didn't want any animals, right? Some of you, I love my dog. It's just an animal that poops on your floor, right? So here's the animals I didn't want. Oh, I also have dreams of, of where I wanted to travel. Look at all the places we've traveled together. Here's all the places I want to travel, all the dreams of fulfilling, uh, being able to go to other countries. So awesome. What else have I got? Oh, I have dreams of how much money I want to make as well. Here's some of the dreams that I have. Let's fill up this box here, right? Oh, the last one I have. I also have dreams of the type of love that I want to have in my life, right? It's, uh, Valentine's coming up here, gentlemen, right? Here's the love that I want to see in my bedroom. We all have these dreams in our head, whether you like it or not. Yeah, admit it, it's the truth. The problem is what happens is when we get married, we often turn our dreams into expectations. Because we turn them into expectations of, I now need you to fulfill that for me. Or I need you to help me go fulfill that. And if you don't live up to the standards that I want you to live up to, if you don't make this happen, then now I'm, disappoint, I'm disappointed in you. Now I feel like we're not working together. Now I don't even know if I want to be with you anymore because my expectations, my dreams have been disappointed because I converted them into expectations. And this is where I'm going to ask my wife to lead us in understanding how do we deal with this. Actually, I, I, want to, I want to stay on that point for just one more minute because it's super important. Sorry, I've done something. Can you help me, please? <laughs> I've, minim I've minimized my, my notes. What are you looking for? Disaster. I need this big. Oh, okay. So we'll drag what that. What did I do? Point that. <laughs> I forgot to put oh, computer skills you. in that box as well. Thank you so much. Wow. You know, our kids are serving in kids' church today, and they don't realize they have just dodged the biggest bullet ever in their lives. <laughs> it's wonderful. I want to stay on this point for just one, one minute, because this is important. We were going through a time where we were, um, God was leading us into a season of looking for a new home. And, and Peter's actually told us the story a few times. But I wanted, I wanted to give you my perspective of this because it has to go with dreams and expectations so well. So we were entering the season of God had placed something in my heart. He was changing my season. He was expanding my dreams and my desires for a new home, a new house for our family. 
And God was showing me a next step to get there. But Peter wasn't there yet, right? This was not his dream yet. This was not his vision yet. This was not, he didn't quite see it. He had not bought in to this vision. And that is okay. That's absolutely okay. That's not a fault of his. That isn't laziness on his part. That isn't him rejecting my desires and my dreams. God was just taking me through something first because someone has to go through it first, right? God was taking me through something first and it would not have been right of me to get frustrated just because he wasn't there yet. That's okay. He, is, he wasn't seeing it yet or he, he wasn't moving as quickly as I would have liked him to move. I can't get frustrated about that. I had to go through it first. The new vision that God was sharing with me was between me and God. God gave me the vision. So I had to believe that he was gonna give me the provision for that vision. And I am not to, to turn to my spouse and dump it on them and expect them to make it happen. I think so many arguments happen in marriage because we are taking something to our spouse that we are really meant to be taking to God. We take it to God first. It is between us and him. We have to trust in God. So it, it, you know what? It took me a long time to get here. And it is daily a work in progress to trust God continuously at this level. But I'm working on it very hard because this I know, that a healthy marital dynamic only happens when we as individuals cultivate a deep, lasting relationship with God. As individuals, we have to cultivate this relationship. It cannot be dependent on your spouse. We must dig deep in this one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with God because that is what brings the correct order, the balance into our marriages. So that was my perspective on that whole situation. And I have one point today, okay, one point, we've got this. That is to, we must cultivate spiritually healthy habits in our marriages. Cultivate spiritually healthy habits in our marriage. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to us as well. Proverbs 3.6 says, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Uh, several years ago, Peter and I made a habit of walking together. And sometimes we'll walk in the morning, sometimes we'll walk in the evening, it just depends on how the day goes. But almost every day, I would say a good five to six times a week, we will spend walking together. And when we walk, we talk about God. We talk about our dreams. We talk about our plans. We talk about something that we're reading or a podcast that we just listened to. We talk about what we're praying for. We talk about what God is showing us. We talk about the direction of the church and our dreams for this church. Sometimes you all grace our conversations as well. We talk about you all as well. But these walks together 
are so important to us because they do several things. They grow our spiritual life together. They keep us centered. They keep us balanced. They keep us on the same page and they motivate our own personal growth. That is so important because the most loving thing you could ever do for your spouse is to keep your relationship with Christ strong. That's the most loving thing you could ever do for your spouse because the closer to Christ that we become, we become a better spouse. And why is that? Why is it that when we grow closer to God, we actually grow closer to each other? It's because in the presence of God, fear cannot exist. In the presence of God, sin cannot exist. In the presence of God, worry cannot exist. Depression cannot exist. We become a better spouse when we are in the presence of God. We forgive easily. We repent more easily. Our love for each other deepens. We begin to, to, to see what our, our spouse's visions are, what their dreams are, what their plans are. We begin to live out our purpose. Remaining in sync with God is the only way we are gonna remain in sync with each other. It's the only way. We are gonna be on the same page. Now, sometimes during these walks, as we're talking, we'll start praying together. And we'll, we'll just go through our list or whatever God lays on our heart. We'll just start praying out loud as we're walking around our neighborhood. We'll pray out loud. Praying together with your spouse, it allows you to attack the problem rather than each other. This is so important because how often do we start turning on each other and attacking each other when there is a much bigger issue going on? We have to pray together and attack the problem, the real issue. You know, as a, a pastoral counselor, I have one rule. You cannot complain about your spouse if you are not praying for your spouse. That's my rule. You have to be interceding for your spouse before you complain to me about him, sometimes her, right? <laughs> sometimes. When you pray for your spouse, it puts you in the place to hear from the Holy Spirit. It puts you in that right place. It puts you in that correct environment, that correct atmosphere to hear from the Holy Spirit. We also develop a deep love for each other when we're praying for our spouse. We learn more about our spouse and we can hear their prayers and the things that they're praying for and the things that they feel are important. And it develops a maturity between the two of us so that when we do have to confess something to the other person, we are, we are hearing it from a place of maturity. We are hearing it from a place of love. It is the right environment. If we could, uh, Phil, if you don't mind turning on some music. <clears throat> We're going to end today with a little bit of ministry time. This is going to be a little bit different because this is going to be specifically for the married couples that are here today. And if, if you are not married and you're here today, you're going, yes, <laughs> this is, 
I don't have to do anything. But I want you to observe. I want you to observe what we're doing here because this is going to be a really fundamental key thing for your future. If you do get married one day, this is going to be key. What we're going to do is we are going to pray for our spouse. And if your spouse is serving next door, that's okay. You can, you can still pray for them. But if you are sitting beside your spouse, I want you to just put your hand on their shoulder, on their back. And we're going to pray for our spouse. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm go we're going to show you how to do it. I'm going to pray for my husband first. And then he's going to pray for me. But you're going to listen. You don't have to repeat after me. You're going to listen and you're going to agree because your homework this week is to do this every day. So I wanna show you, we're gonna demonstrate what it looks like to pray and to intercede for your spouse. So women, we're gonna, we're gonna do this first because I'm the one talking. So we're gonna go first here. And you're gonna put your hands on his shoulder and I'm just gonna pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my husband. Jesus, I thank you that he is a man after your own heart. I thank you for all that he has, has been, all that he has done in my life, God. But I thank you that he is a good father. I thank you that he is a good husband. I thank you that you brought us together for your purpose. And Jesus, right now, I just pray that he is protected this week. Guard, God, guard his eyes, guard his mind, guard his spirit. I just speak the armor of God over him in Jesus' name, that there is no weapon formed by the enemy that will stand against him this week. Jesus, give him strength, strengthen his emotions, strengthen his mind, fortify him, Jesus. I pray for your spirit to be over him in everything that he does this week, in every conversation that he has, in every decision that he has to make. Father, touch his mind. Touch him right now in Jesus' name that he will become the man and everything you created him to be in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I don't ask for permission to pray. <clears throat> I'll just do it in the middle of a conversation. I don't recommend that you start to try and get become religious or something. I recommend you just be who you are and just dive right into it. I don't wait until she goes, hey, can we pray together? Can we sit down? Can we Forget the preparation, just launch straight into it. So as you're going through a difficult week, you're going through some challenge, there's some things that are in front of you, I totally get it. What a pain in the butt it is. Father, I just thank you that you've got everything that she needs. And whatever it is that she needs this week, you're gonna deliver it on a plate and she's gonna see these single things during her weeks and during her days. And she's like, oh, today I got this fruit of righteousness. Oh, today I see a fruit of patience. Oh, today I get a fruit of peace. And I just pray, Father, you're gonna fill her up and any type of words that are coming in her head to bring her down. We're done with that, Father. I speak against it in the name of Jesus. My job is to protect my wife, my children, my family, and I pray a covering over her that nothing's going to stop her from doing what you've called her to do. Nothing can stop her because you have said there's going to be some challenges in front of her, but you said you're going to carry her through. So I just pray you'd fill her up right now in your name of Jesus. We ask this. Amen. That's all it takes. All you have to do is just be about it. Go do it. 
Don't wait for it to happen. Just make it happen. Let's stand this morning as I bless you today. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your Holy Spirit that fills us up from the bottom of our feet to the top of our head. And I pray it would be overflowing today in every person who has been here in this room, that the Word of God will not return to you failed. It will not return to you void, but it will return to you completed. And I pray, God, you would help us to have the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding to carry out this life that you've called us to carry out. We ask this in your precious son's name and all God's people said, amen. We love you guys.